How's it going, Yamitators? Episode 161 with Matt Freed. It was so awesome. Guys, we talked so much about so many things. We talked about acting, and we talked about writing, and we talked about the government, and we talked about movies. We made up stories. We talked about Lyme disease. Um, we made up stories. We riffed. We riffed, and it was awesome. So fucking check it out because you already are, rate it, review it, go to iTunes, click subscribe, rate it, give it five stars, say whatever you want about it, but give it five stars, go to facebook.com slash yamatatwithdougculp, go to iTunes, Stitcher, I already said it, go to, actually, um, go to yamatat.com, y-a-m-a-t-a-t dot com, click on the get it on iTunes link from there. And that's also my website. You can check out my blog from there. You can check out my show calendar. You can check out, um, you know, a bunch of stuff. Duplex Comedy Suplex did not happen again tonight. Two of the comics showed up. One had to bail, um, and that's chill. But two of the comics showed up, and there was no crowd, so there was no show. Duplex Comedy Suplex check it out guys it's every thursday it's free and um check it out on facebook like the page you'll get notified every time there's a new show and you know it's free it's a free living room house show come on over it's a really good time all right my twitter is dougathan d-o-u-g-a-t-h-a-n show's twitter is yamatat y-a-m-a-t-a-t um Go to reallygladyoucame.bandcamp.com. That's where I do music. Uh, also, check me out on Instagram, Dougathan, and um, Snapchat, and um, Tumblr, Dougathan. Mockboymedia.wordpress.com. That's M-O-Q-boymedia.wordpress.com is my blog, and I have a couple scripts up there that I've written. And then... Yeah, check out Duplex Comedy Suplex on Duplex Comedy on Twitter and Duplex Comedy Suplex on Instagram and Facebook. And now get ready to yam it up with me and Matt Freed. Not this last year, but the year right before. Yeah. Oh, there whole setup here, man. Yeah. Nice. Wow. It's impressive. Thank you for the water, by the way. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, I mm-hmm. cleaned before you showed up. Looks good. <laughs> Looks good. I gotta say. Looks good. Good for you, Dougie. Yeah, You're putting yeah. it together. I'm doing it. I folded and put away all my laundry. Good for you. Good for you. Gold stars for everyone. Everybody gets a gold star. Yeah. Oh, Dougie. Like Linda, like Linda Belcher from yeah. Bosworth. Oh, Dougie! 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 Ah, come what's, on, people! What's the guy's name who does that voice? Uh, John... Not John Katz. I know who you're talking. I know who you're talking. It's like right on the tip of my tongue. It's something... J- Dan Mintz, Dan I think. Mintz. I remember I saw him... Dan, if you're listening, and I know you are. Oh, are we recording, like, right now? Yeah. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. Uh, I saw him, I remember, 
at the Magnet Theater, doing stand-up at the Magnet Theater, had to be 10 years ago at this point, and it was like, he, I think, because I think he's like, part of, he's part of like that class of like, Mulaney kids that like came up and like I think he wrote for either SNL or he was writing for Conan or something but like I anyway to get to my point like I saw him get up and do stand-up and uh I just remember looking at him and just thinking like that guy based on his look alone found out exactly what he was supposed to be doing in life which was being being a stand-up comedian and a very very good voice actor no you know what now that i think about it it's not dan mintz i think it's john worster who actually does, does the voice does dan mintz do tina yeah he does tina i think <laughs> he does a lot of like he works a lot with mulaney and kroll and all those guys and yeah. everything so like the movie kroll yeah exactly <laughs> yeah kroll the conqueror it's just nick kroll playing all the parts and he's and it's he got they found the set dresser from He-Man. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. That yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. Nick Kroll, if you're listening, and I know you are. That's, Nick, I've got a movie I need to pitch you. Please. Let's it's Just called Kroll. Just called Kroll. And you play Kroll. Yeah. I know you love this idea. I will call Hugo's right now and we can set up a lunch appointment and we can make it happen, Nick. Nick, if you're out there listening to this, please. I'm so desperate for work right now, Nick. Too much tuna. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend, actually, um, she lives in Chicago. She just, uh, she saw them when they were passing through Chicago, actually, and uh, she said that they were amazing, absolutely amazing live. And I was bummed because we were in New York, and we were talking about going to go see them on Broadway. We were in New York over New Year's Eve, and we were talking about going to go see them on Broadway. We just never got to it. And then like a week later, I saw Melania. I was like, well, we closed. I'm like, oh, great. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they did that show for six months on Broadway, which is amazing. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh. For people listening oh, to this at home, shit. Doug is sitting here giggling with me while eating a giant lard lad donut from Simpsons World. Yeah. Uh, while wearing his dad's old Letterman jacket from high school. Yep. It's quite a scene. <laughs> it's quite a scene. If you guys could only see it, but you can't, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks again for having me here. Then, oh man. yeah, dude. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. Um, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, I I have an Instagram for the podcast. Oh yeah. But I have I've taken pictures with maybe two guests. Oh wow! So I'm lucky number three. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not it's not an aversion to taking pictures. It's yeah. just getting caught up in the conversation is enough, and mm-hmm. then when the conversation's over, I'm like, oh, that was fun. Well, well. Hopefully, hopefully, my appearance here will inspire you to take more pictures. Because <laughs> as they always say, third time's a charm, kids. <laughs> Third time's a charm. It's true. They uh, do say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm. So, so is it just going to be like a freewheeling discussion like this mostly, or it, it is? It's tangents okay. and stuff. Sure. I'll ask uh, a few questions. I'll pepper them throughout. Sure. And then uh, it's over when it feels like it's over. All right. Sounds like a plan, man. Yeah. That is a gigantic donut. So good. You want peace? No, I'm good. I I <laughs> I had a really late dinner last night, so like you know when. Like, I, I, 
I got home um, from Ubering last night, which is what I'm doing right now for income while I'm interviewing for some jobs. Um, and I made myself a pizza and I didn't basically didn't get to eat it until like 1030 last night. Yeah. So like, you know, when you eat like really late and then you wake up the next day and you still feel kind of full from like the meal before, like that's kind of what I'm dealing with right now. Dude, how did the fucking airport thing delete Uber? How did that affect you? Has um, it affected your job? It has affected none of my job right now. I can wow. tell you. I, I can tell you that yesterday I got a ton of Uber pool requests, which if you're an Uber driver, you love, um, but because uh, you get paid more for those, I meant that sarcastically. I hate oh. I hate picking up Uber pools. <laughs> Uber pools are the bane of any Uber driver's existence because 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 it it always goes one way or another. Like if they're actually like going like if they're actually traveling more than like four or five miles, then you actually make some decent money on those rides. But if it's literally like under like under three miles on an uber pool i kid you not we get paid like maybe a dollar 75 or a dollar 96 on those like it's such a like it like uber pools are from a business model point of view they were a great idea but they suck if you're a driver because if you just keep taking them like you could you'll you'll run out of gas yeah exactly like you could you could drop like you could drop like an eighth of gas on your tank like driving somebody like three or four miles and if you're lucky you'll make two dollars on that fare altogether like i act i try not to i actually try not to pick up a lot of uber pools but of course uber has like these incentives like if you take like this, X, many, this many rides will like throw in this bonus for you but you but you need to like maintain like an 80 percent acceptance rate like so if you're picking and choosing with rides and stuff that drives your acceptance rate down so like uh, yeah huh. it's, it's such it's ridiculous that to say sucks. That. yeah and just and just in case there are any angry liberals right now that are getting ready to like to, to write me any messages on my Facebook wall, I should say that I am in the process of getting my paperwork with Lyft refiled so I can start ah, working as a Lyft driver again. Nice. It's just that literally, like, <laughs> the whole delete Uber thing happened so suddenly, and it's literally, like, I have five things to do this week before yeah. I can, like, contact Lyft about driving with them again. Yeah. So, like, just give me some time, guys. Yeah, my life is not able to just flip on a dime yeah exactly look look we can't all be the president and just sign executive orders willy-nilly and then just let somebody else deal with them some of us need to actually strategize and prioritize stuff doug is now doubled over he's turned green he's very i think he's having a stroke i'm pretty sure Trump so much we all do well yeah a lo- a, I should say a lot of us do. A lot of us in, in blue liberal land are not fond of him at the moment. He just, I fucking, oh, fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. He's become a part of every, not every conversation, but at least, like, two conversations that you'll have every day. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking, fuck you, man. Fuck you for making me talk about you, Trump. And I know you're listening, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> This is his number one podcast, right after Fox News. Oh, no! He listens to this podcast. <laughs> so he's going to sign an executive order against Doug pretty soon. Resist! Resist. I'll fucking resist till I die. <laughs> I remember... So, like, I've lived in L.A. for four years, and I remember that, like... If I... I remember four years ago, like, my biggest problem in life living out here was, like, 
whatever Tinder drama I was caught up in that day, like, like just whatever. I wish I had a time machine to go back in time and tell myself, like, savor that this is your biggest problem in your life because in two years there's, there's your biggest problem is going to be one guy and he's all that, all that you and your friends are going to talk about constantly. Yeah. 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 She's Yeah. The good, some of the good old days were when we didn't even have to fucking worry about him. What? He's running for president? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to make the primary? Okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck. He made the primary. Well, fucking Bernie's going to get the primary yeah. for the Dems. Oh, damn. He didn't get that. Well, well, Hillary's totally going to win. Yeah. She's totally going to win. Yeah. There's no fucking way this hotel magnate is going to... Oh, fuck, he won. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, obviously, obviously he's going to do something. Obviously the Republicans are going to keep him in line with something. Oh, oh no. no. They're doing... They're oh. doing nothing. Oh, no. Oh. And he's just doing these fucking executive orders and fucking off for the weekend yeah basically he wouldn't he's not gonna just he's not gonna just sign a ban on on muslims and and refugees from other countries oh. and then have no plan in place for how to deal with them right oh wait oh he did that he oh. that's exactly what he's uh, doing oh good uh, oh good <laughs> you know it's funny i was actually i was poking around on facebook last night and um through my um suggest you know that su- suggested friends like carousel yeah, yeah, thing yeah. that that's you on probably know them. yeah you exactly them. i so it's through some person Stephen Hawking. yes <laughs> Stephen hawking who is a tea party member and a really proud racist just <laughs> hates him just hates him doesn't even care if they have done anything with advanced quantum physics or any of that other stuff. Just if they're black, he does not want to hear their findings. Stephen Hawking? Is that for real? No. Oh, <laughs> I was just going along. I was yes-anding you. That's what I was doing. And I was like, wait, for real? <laughs> But if that was totally real, he's just like raging. You're like, oh no! But you're so smart. He just comes out. He comes out to his next symposium wearing a Pepe the Frog mask, and he's just like, "Let me tell you something about black holes." Have you heard Hound Tall? No, I haven't. Moshe Kasher's new podcast. No, I haven't. He t- so he does a very funny uh, Stephen Hawking impression. Yeah, and. He, he figured it into the theme song. Oh, no. Of how tall. Oh, no. <laughs> Topics. Academia. That's <laughs> uh, oh, really cool. Oh, God. And I'm... it's like Donahue style. Like, he goes out and interviews people in the audience. He brings them the mic over. And... Oh, really? Yeah. I... And that's what his show is going to be. I once, um... Oh, is he is he developing a show right now? Yeah. Oh, for what? Comedy Central? I think so, yeah. Wow. I, I imagine it being called Moshe in some kind of cursive and then with an accent over the E. <laughs> <laughs> he, I was poking around on his Twitter a while ago, so he's married to Natasha Leggero, yeah. and they did this amazing joke on their wedding day where, um, I don't remember what, they, I guess they were taking, they must have been taking, like, wedding photos or something, but, like, 
for their wedding photos, they came up with, they, like, showed up with, like, a white sheet with a hole cut in it with, like, what was supposed to be menstrual blood all around it, and it said something like, she's no longer a virgin or something on it. And it was just, it was just one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. God bless those two. Oh, they're fucking awesome. God bless having a sense of humor in these times, seriously. Um, It is crazy, it's crazy how weird the world feels right now. It is, and it's funny because I under, like I wrote a, so I started writing um, a couple of political commentary pieces for the for the vaunted well respected website of medium dot com. Mm-hmm. Um and right above right above light. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> it's right down there. It's right like, above mild. Yeah, exactly. Um mild.com mild, medium.com. Yeah, exactly. You, when you get to hot dot com, you fucking Hot Hot dot com is just pictures of fireplaces. <laughs> With the with the temperature of the fire photoshopped over it, and the weird part is, is that that's a that's a fetish. That's a thing that gets some people off in this fireplaces. Kind of fireplaces, fireplace porn. That's what it's all about. Dude, it's like that's what's the the saying slash slash eighty four or something. If there's a if there's a thing, there's porn about it. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I heard about splooshing for the first time. Do you know what that is? Splooshing? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, I guess, uh, a, a girl, um, coming. Or, like, a, uh, squirting. Close. Very close. I, maybe it was just a fetish that was popular in New York, because I read about it, like, in, like, Time Out in New York and New York Magazine. But it's literally, no, it's literally, um, a hot girl, it was most likely a hot girl, there's probably hot guys out there doing it too, but it's literally a video of, like, you get a hot girl in, like, a mesh top or something like that, and then you just drop, like, milk or acrylic paint or something on her head, like, you just pour it over paint? your head. Yeah, yeah, paint? yeah, something. People are like, oh, I love when paint gets on girls. There's, yeah, there's this whole, this, there's a whole fetish out there of people who like to watch videos of beautiful people getting covered in like this viscousy, semi-consistent, um, liquidy substance, and then the them just like wiping it off, and, and that's, that's what it? that's, that's all mean. it is. And then like some some will step it up with food. You're like get get that regular milk out of here. Get the chocolate milk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And then there's a whole thing with food. I remember where like where like people like women would be paid to like do videos where like they'll just sit there topless and then they'll just take like cold handfuls of cooked of cooked cold pasta and just rub it on their chests pretty much what and there's there's a market out there for people who they're are into that, for that they're getting paid they're probably getting paid good money for oh, that i gotta see if there's a, a spaghetti chest site for me yeah no <laughs> there probably is dude I mean, look. Go to spaghettichest.com <laughs> slash yamatat. Get the coupon code. <laughs> www.coldbuffet.com <laughs> We'll give you the first meal for free. Spaghetti chest. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, I also imagine that the, sometimes there's meatballs and, and so so it's like, mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. dinner on your chest. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. 
I've just learned with sexual fetishes at this point that, like, I'm just not judgmental because, like, like we all, as long as it's not hurting or maiming or killing something, yeah, like, we look, all have our own we stuff. all have our own stuff, and I guess what just fascinated me about it, about the whole splooshing thing, I never was, I was never aroused by it or anything, but I was just fascinated at this idea of like because like i remember being a kid and discovering porn for the first time mm -hmm. and just that idea of getting to see boobs and pussy and all that stuff was exciting but to literally go from like that to like can you imagine that like you watch something like that when you're 13 and you're just kind of like this is this works but not really and then all you had to do was just wait 15 years and then you discover a splooshing video, and that's the thing <laughs> that you fit like a puzzle. You fit like a puzzle piece into yeah. the larger puzzle that is this universe. Or like farting. And yeah. Like, like um, the demeaning ones, and like just, or not demeaning, but um, like you know, like punishment, like talking down, punishment or humiliation, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, like it's just that idea that like tying up. And yeah, like. It's just this idea of something that to me seems like such a such a stretch for something to get off to, but this idea that like no, but there are people out there that like this is their thing, and I'm like, wow, there's like there is for me there's absolutely nothing sexual about this whatsoever, but literally like some guy he's had or or ladies having like a rough day, and they at least get to look forward to going home and and watching them and watching a video where a, a carton of like lactate gets finished off on somebody and like <laughs> that's how they know life's gonna be okay you know it's it's a nutty nutty world we live in now to say the least have you ever have you ever eaten a food uh where after it you're like oh shit i'm horny now all of a sudden have I? That's a good question. Because I have one distinct memory, but I'll wait. I'll wait for your answer. I don't think. I don't <laughs> think I have. I've been alive on this planet for a while, so there may be something out there, but I can't recall an immediate memory. Yeah. So what's your story? Ben and Jerry's. Okay. Cinnamon buns flavor. A pint of it. I ate the whole pint. Yeah. And then after it, I was like, "All right, it's go time." Really. <laughs> Were you on a date or were you by yourself? Oh, by myself. You were by yourself. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah. So I what? Ate that whole fucking pint. And it was go time. I think you should. <laughs> I think you are you on Tinder and Bumble and all those apps yeah. right now. I feel like you should put something on your profile where it's, where it it just like be very coy about it. <laughs> just be like, if you're a fan of Ben and Jerry's cinnamon bun ice cream, then we're gonna have a good time. <laughs> Some good... That'll make them go, what? Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna try that ice cream. What's he talking about? And Ex then they try it and then they go, oh yeah. He yeah. Was right. Yeah. It is yeah. good time. But like, wait until like date three to maybe like have them be like, to have them be like, so what's the deal with the ice cream or something like that? Because by then it's like, you'll, you'll, I'm assuming have seen them for at least two or three weeks at that point. Mm -hmm. And they'll definitely know if they want to have sex with you by that point or yeah. not. Yeah. So, yeah. or maybe they'll just see it immediately. They'll see you in that Letterman sweater and they'll just be like, do me right now. <laughs> On right, the ice cream. Right here. In the ice cream. Yeah. Put me in the pint. Jump in the pint with me. <laughs> we'll yeah. swim around in the ice cream. Yeah. Like a, like a couple of children in a Mozart opera. They'll sploosh all over each other. Yeah. <laughs>
And that's how we'll know that we've discovered true love. And that's how babies are made. In in La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> that's that a high five, everybody. Yeah. That's the extra twenty minutes that got cut out of La La Land that they don't want you to see. The weird the weird, weird shit that people have to do to make a baby out here. Everybody's just like, Oh, look at these two beautiful people. It's so lovely that they finally found each other. It's like, oh, just wait until they try to conceive, folks. That's a, that's a whole other... It's a whole weird dance. It's a whole other thing that you only find out about when you get your welcome packet at LAX. When you first show up here. Or they hand it to you at the state border when you're coming out of, like, Arizona or Nevada, wherever you're driving in from. Uh, okay. so, you're, so you're a, so you're a writer. I am a writer, yes. Principally, like your main thing? It's, it's my main thing, yeah. I started as an actor. Um, I, uh, I was in New York for about seven or eight years before I moved out here. It's yeah. weird because, like... Were you doing it, were you acting the whole time while you were out there? Uh, were you kind, on, like, um, Law and Order and stuff? I was, I, no, but I did, one of my first jobs that I got was I did do background on The Sopranos. So oh, I, so shit. I'll always, I'll always have that That's on my awesome. resume. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I studied, I studied theater. I did acting all through high school. I, I did a summer, I did a summer abroad at, uh, at Oxford University what studying. Her name was Matilda. Thank you very much. And she was 85 years old and taught me everything about oh, life. Nice. Yes. Well, Oxford? Yeah, at Oxford. That's England, right? Yes. Oxford, cool. England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, the Oxford? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the Oxford. <laughs> Just like there's the Harvard yeah. and the Cambridge and the Santa Fe State. Um but yeah, so I was I was acting for a couple of years. I got into UCB um, at, in New York. I also did a lot of work at a at a theater called uh, the Pit, the People's Improv Theater, and a little bit at the Magnet. And um, you know, the way things go with all that stuff is that I just kind of kept going out for auditions and auditions and not booking anything, and I got very tired of the rejection. But I I started writing a lot more, and yeah. so. Um, there's a large swath of my mid to late twenties where I was just out of the game completely because I was trying to just be a guy and and I was I was dating somebody who didn't one hundred percent the idea of of being being with me because I wanted to to work in the industry and all that sort of stuff yeah. and after that ended I decided to uh, get back into writing and uh, I wrote a play called the Charlie Brown Apocalypse which ran in New York for on and off for a couple of months back Ooh. in twenty twelve and. Then I started writing my novel, The Survivalist. The Survivalist. The Survivalist. So like, so that's what I'm working on now, and well, that's what what I've been working on now. And then I'm working on a new play right now, and we're trying to get the book out. I published it all myself, so we're working on getting the book into stores right this is now. Pretty man. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's four years of my life right there. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Latchkey Industries. Yeah, that's my that's my imprint, my publishing house right there, if that's you will. Dope. Yeah, man. Wait, so you you like or, like ordered or you sent the book to like a printing company and then you're like yeah. print it? Yeah. Well, a buddy of mine, Fred Chow, who is an amazing um, comic book artist and graphic designer, he wrote actually. If, uh, if there's any comic book readers reading this, I cannot 
recommend enough uh, Fred's graphic no- novel called Johnny Hero. Hero is spelled H-I-R-O. Mm. Um, it's about a, if I remember correctly, a busboy working in a sushi restaurant who gets into all kinds of misadventures trying to get his life together, including surviving a Godzilla attack on New York City, amongst Ooh. everything. Um, Hell yeah. He, uh, he's an amazing comic book writer and graphic novelist. Johnny Hero itself actually... Just to give you a sense of how well it was received, it was nominated for um, Eisner. An it was nominated for a bunch of Eisners the same year that um, Ed Brubaker's Captain America: Winter Soldier um, arc was playing. So like he was, he was like he was the moonlight to uh, Ed Brubaker's La La Land that year at the Eisners, pretty yeah. much, which is pretty amazing. But he designed the the cover and actually did the entire interior. Um, which is awesome. So Fred and I have known each other for years and uh, from living back in New York. And then I, uh, I went through a, a publisher called Create Space that has a vendor agreement with Amazon. And so I just paid to have the whole thing made myself. And I taught myself how to design an ebook completely from scratch. It's, yes. it's relatively easy. You can do it with a laptop and with Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and then, yeah, so it's available on paperback and on kindle on amazon it's available on ibooks and uh i'm gonna be putting out the audiobook uh later this winter i guess did you record it i did record it yes yeah 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 so man i love it when when you like when the writer is like no this is my story i'm gonna speak it into the microphone yeah i have the audiobook of my story yeah it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination like like reading Doing an audiobook is is actually an incredibly taxing experience, yeah. and um, a lot of mess ups, a lot of stopping, a lot of mess ups, slurs. You can probably tell, like I have a, you know, I have a little bit of a Philadelphia accent, and I have a tendency to like soften and drop a lot of consonants and vowels and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So, you know, when you've been reading for even forty five to like sixty five minutes or so, you begin to get physically tired. Yeah. And, and when I get tired, you know, you begin to slur your words. You and kind you're of... reading things that you've written all over and over and read over and over. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I fucking know. Oh, let me just get through this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't... Like, I'm very proud to say that we recorded the audiobook, and I'm very happy to say that, like, it's me reading it. That being said, I will never record another audiobook again if I can help it. Because it's so... Because it really is, like, this whole... The whole experience of publishing your own book, it's a really interesting crash course in... And I learned this when my play got produced, too. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's a really interesting crash course of sitting down and saying to yourself what do I know to do really well? And then what am I not so good at? And then who can I get to do the things that I'm not as good at, but they're really good at as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I had a lot of friends who, um, were audiobook readers and they were offering their services to me, but I was also publishing this myself. So like, I had to, I had to be very conscious of my budget. So I ultimately was like, I'll, I'll read it myself, but I learned by the end of that process, like, oh, that's why you get a professional reader to go and do this, because they both have the skill and the stamina to do something like this. Lesson learned. Also, if it's like Morgan Freeman or something, yeah, then you got Morgan Freeman telling your story. We were in talks with Morgan Freeman, and let me tell you something about that motherfucker. 
look, I get it. He's very respected for good reason and everything. But he was literally like, I'm only going to do it if you go to Costco and you get me a year's worth of Doritos Blue Ranch chips. And I'm like, all right, you'll take them home when you're done. And he's like, no. It's like, let me repeat, you go out and you buy the chips. I want them available to me while I'm reading your book. But then when I'm done reading your book, I don't want to bring those home with me. What am I going to do with a year's worth of Doritos? I don't have the pantry space for that. <laughs> to which I was just like, well, then why is it that I have to be the one to have to buy them? And he was like, well, you're the one coming to me, aren't you? I mean, it's bad enough that I have to take the low end of the scale for this job to begin with. I mean, I'm goddamn Morgan Freeman. Come on. Didn't you see March of the Penguins? So let so you expect me to come to your house to record this thing? And I can't even get some goddamn Blue Ranch Doritos. And I was like, look, man, I know that there's a lot of reasons for me to respect you and whatnot. And I do. But I feel like you're just being really unreasonable on this. And he's like, you know what? You can go fuck yourself. I have got a million audiobook offers out there. I'm Morgan Freeman. I can be the voice of God and the devil and everybody will love it. And then I was just like, there is no reason for you to be copying this kind of attitude with me. If I'm being honest, you really haven't done anything that of note in at least the last two or three years. And that's where he punched me in the face. Um, have you ever been beaten in the mouth with a blackjack before? I can now say I have. These are all fake teeth I have in my mouth. And then he just left me for dead somewhere in, in the Denny's down in... Or not Denny's. No, yeah, the Denny's in Hollywood, just down there on Sunset. So anyway, so we were in talks with Morgan Freeman at so some point. So don't ask Morgan Freeman. All right. Got it. Just be prepared for him to ask to ask of you some weird stuff. I guess that's the best thing I could say about working with Morgan Freeman. But I will say this, he was willing to come to the Denny's in West Hollywood for this meeting, yeah. which I really did appreciate, because he didn't have to. And Lord knows, when he flew in on his helicopter, it made such a racket. But he's, you know what, sitting back and reflecting on it, he did, he really did go above and beyond for me, because he didn't have, he didn't have to do that for nobody in Hollywood. So I guess what I'm saying is, thank you, Morgan Freeman, and I'm sorry for being a dick but you were kind of being a dick too <laughs> so um what um oh what is something in writing that you haven't done that you'd love to do oh, boy. it doesn't have to be one thing it doesn't have to be one thing um well it's been a while since i've tried a screenplay mm -hmm. so i'd like to take a crack at that i'm feature feature probably i have an idea or two for a couple of features that i may want to write maybe later this year or next year or something um see if i could pitch them around and see if it'll actually make me any money in this town yeah. uh that would be nice have you written tv stuff i i have i am actually i i wrote a pilot last year that um i showed around to a couple of uh, buddies of mine in the industry um, and it got some good response but they ultimately said like this is good but it's not for us and it's like all right that's fine whatever yeah. um, 
I, I'm working on a play right now. The first play that I've written in five years, actually, since I wrote Charlie Brown Apocalypse. Um, but then I have two TV projects that I want to work on after that that are pilots and some other stuff as well. But I primarily do TV, and I fall back on stage work because that's... I, I fall back on theater work because that's what I studied in college. Yeah. Um, and I actually do want to write a sequel to The Survivalist at one point, um, but the idea that I have for it, um, so this book took me four years to write in total, but I would say the actual physical writing of the book, if I were to put it all together, maybe took me out of that four years, it took me maybe, I would say a year and three quarters to do like the actual writing of the book altogether. Yeah. The sequel that I want to, that the idea that I have for the sequel to this book is about twice the length of it altogether. Mm -hmm. So that is a really ambitious project that I do want to sit down and write one day. I just, I'm, I need a couple of years of stamina building to get to that. So I would say that that's probably the other big thing I want to do. Cause writing a book is completely different from writing a script altogether. I thought it was going to be really easy when I sat down to do it in 2012. Yeah. And I was so, uh, easily disproven <laughs> of how it's like oh no this is this is tough there's a reason why that like there's a reason why it takes some people like a decade to write their next book in a lot of cases the yeah. fact that like guys like stephen king can just crank them out one year after another like just the, the discipline to sit down and do that and then boom it's published that's that's amazing in and of itself yeah uh yeah so oh man writing it's it's daunting sometimes you know you're like because I've got some TV, TV mm -hmm. stuff I've written, too. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just like, yeah, I also want to write a feature. I also want to write a show about this. I'm also run, starting to write a show about this. I'm like, oh, I can't decide. I can't decide. There's so many. Yeah. The, th uh. the advice that I've always gotten about that stuff is write whatever you're most passionate about or what you're feeling that day, which is like a lot of what I do is I keep running, I keep a running list on my phone and on my computer of literally a million different ideas that, that spark some kind of in, interest or inspiration in me. Mm -hmm. And then I just maintain that list because more often than not, like I'll be in the middle of working on something else when I get the idea for that. So it's like, I write it down, I set it aside. And then like when I've completed one project, I'll go back to this file of ideas and I'll yeah. just say like, all right, well, are any of these ideas like speaking to me right now? Like this play that I'm, I'm writing right now, I actually came up with the idea for it back in 2012 yeah. and uh, I'm writing it right now because it just eventually, it reached a point that when the book was finally done and then the posture's terrible. I'm just, Oh, okay. No problem. Sitting up. <laughs> Doug is positioning himself right now. Like a, like a angry businessman in an eighties movie. Yeah. He's, I'm taller now. Yeah, I get it. Doug. <laughs> No need no, to turn. No, taller than normal because I was slouched over so, so easily. Yeah. Yeah. You look very good from a position of power, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Slap a slap a suit on you and put you in a big fancy corporate office. Put a put a desk in front of me and a guest to my right on the couch. Exactly. It's late night with Doug Culp. There you go. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Coming this fall, Diffusion. Yeah. Late night with Doug Culp. Shit, I'll do Fusion. I'll do Pop TV. I'll do. Uh, uh, Crackle, I'll do. Uh... <laughs> I'll do. I'll do Hulu. I'll do Hulu, Netflix, um, YouTube. I, I'm here. Yeah. YouTube, Snapchat, Twitch, Twitch Creative. 
I have a buddy. I I went to um I went to that Jerry Maguire video store that's mm-hmm. open right now because it's actually right around the corner from my house. And I bumped into a buddy while I was there, and he was telling me that he just sold a show to Snapchat. And I don't, so I'm not on Snapchat. Like I'm I'm very I become very conservative <laughs> about my my social media exposure. Yeah. But you've I can't. Made, you've made your choice. I made my choice. <laughs> but from what I understand about Snapchat, it's an incredibly short form medium so how anybody is doing scripted content on there right now i have no idea well what it is is um they have so there's the whole part where you do your story or you just do a picture send it to someone video send it to someone yeah and then there's this whole other section on the right where it's like discover and then there's all these different channels so comedy central has a channel on there um discover i think there's just a bunch of them where you're like what Mm -hmm. i don't I don't, I mean, I don't know if I have time for that. And then it's like a minute and a half or something. Mm. Um, yeah, I've seen a couple. It's, it's chill. It's just, (laughs) it's just, yeah, it's so deep within the app. You have to go searching for it and stuff. And I don't know how. Which is exactly what you want with content. You want. (laughs) Hard to find. Yeah, you want it. (laughs) You really want to make the user have to use their fingers. Watch my show. Where is it? Well, it's kind of complicated. (laughs) That kind of... I worked in... My day job for years was doing um, marketing and digital content development and everything. And I'm still, like, astounded when I meet people who are, like, launching their own podcasts or, like, starting or, like, doing their own YouTube thing. Yeah, like, doing something like this. And then literally it's like, oh, cool, where can I go to go find it? It's like, oh, you just go to www fill in the name of my website dot com backslash pages backslash backslash this yeah click on click on this link and that link (laughs) and it's just literally like you lost me after the second dot com or something like that um it's kind of it's 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 amazing because i feel like like we live in such a beautifully unique time of media consumption in which you can really just do your own thing out of your house Mm -hmm and build your own audience and it's fine but it just astounds me how many people are out there that it's literally they they still don't necessarily understand it's like no 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 when you're building something and you're building the website for it like make it as streamlined and simple as possible because like again there's because there's so much content out there right now you need to give somebody absolutely no reason to forget. To forget, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's literally like, it's like, oh, well, how do I find your podcast? Oh, it's just, it's, I've, I've embedded the most recent episode here at this at this page, www.dougculp.com. Oh. Yamatat.com. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, <laughs> you're a TED Talk? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, Yamatat. Yamatat. Because you and me and thoughts and talk. Yeah. There you go. Yamatat. Yamatat, exactly. Like, so, it's just like, it's just that simple, but then... I still talk to some people and they're just kind of like, yeah, no, that's too much work for me. And it's just kind of like, all right. Um, There's a link on the top of the page that says get it on iTunes. Click it now. Yeah, just click it right now, guys. <laughs> right, right now. <laughs> you have a you have a folding mattress bed yeah. here and here. Is that your bed? Uh-huh. You, so this is your bedroom that we're in right now. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> small, right? Yeah, it's very small. <laughs> I'm just impressed because I don't think I've seen a folding mattress since I watched a comedy that was maybe made in 1981 or so, so I feel like this is just something very unique right now. Or anything. 
Dude, I wheeled that home. Where'd you get it from? From fucking... Uh, okay, so when when I initially went to wheel it home, yeah, I, I was like, oh, it's on Sunset? I'll just fucking walk there and wheel it home. It can't be that far. How fucking big is Sunset? <laughs> and it was all the way down in, like, Silver Lake. Good lord. Yeah. So you wheeled that all the way from Silver Lake back here to East Hollywood? Yeah, and then when Vine was still a thing, I was making Vines of... I was, like, wow. asking... Sometimes asking people to... Will you hold? Will you do this vine while and like pretending I'm sleeping on my new bed? Wow, <laughs> that is dedication, man. That is a hardcore commitment to the lifestyle. I gotta say. It was also when I was walking everywhere because before, pre Lyme disease, pre I didn't have to use a cane and I yeah. was walking everywhere because I got legs. I'll mm-hmm. fucking use them. I'll mm-hmm. just do stuff uh, while I'm walking to the place I'm walking to, podcasts, mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Etc. Not to not to put a, a weird somber tone or anything, but do you know how you? And if this is the wrong question to ask, feel free to slap me. But uh, do you know how you contracted Lyme disease exactly? <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm sorry, I know nothing. I'm just I'm a small child no, just so trying to educate myself. It's uh, it's from a tick. Like, uh-huh. Uh, you get bit by a tick, and then you get this like circular weird rash, and then. It starts working its fucking limey magic. Wow. So this bacteria is released from the tick when it bites you and when its head, like, I think the head comes off. Wow. Maybe. But, and that's where the Lyme disease is or the bacteria that is uh, spread by the Lyme disease. It's so fucking weird. And it spreads all over your body and then you get super weak. Like, sometimes I... I'll play, be playing piano, and then uh-huh. I'm like, well, I need to stop now because my arms are getting sore. Wow. Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah, or if I if I drive for too long sometimes, I'm like, whoa, shit, gotta, gotta take it easy on my legs. I had no idea. I always thought, and is it something you're just going to be dealing with for the rest of your life? Uh, yes and no, because it is treatable, and I will be able to get up and about normally again. But I need to get the right fucking doctor to look mm. at my lab results mm-hmm. so I'm not ignored. Because I've been turned away from the ER three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, four times now, actually. Three from Kaiser, one from Hollywood Presbyterian, who, who gave me um, pills at one point, And they go, okay, yeah, you don't have to be set up here at the hospital. You can just take these pills at home, two, uh-huh. two a day for three weeks, and you should be fine. Okay. I'm not fine. I took the pills. I'm I'm not fine. Wow, dude. <laughs> still limey, still fully hurting. So how long have you been dealing with this still at this point? Still taking sitting showers. That's fun. Mm. Um, two years, a little over two years now. Two years? Mm-hmm. Good lord. Yeah, because the pain started, and when I went to my doctor initially, he's like, you seem fine. Go home. It's fine. Here's a prescription for pain. Yeah, modern then, medicine at work. <laughs> yeah, and, and I have the free health care, too. So then... Uh, I came in another time and I was like, I feel like the pain like moved from this spot where my inguinal hernia was mm-hmm. to to my leg, like just down my leg. It just feels like it's going down my leg. He's like, you seem fine. Go home. Here's some here's a prescription for pain meds. Wow. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Wow. Because the healthcare system is like, if they have free healthcare. Just send them home with a prescription. Yeah. Painkillers. Everything will be fine. Yeah. It truly, it truly is free healthcare in the respect of that. Since they can't make any money, they're gonna put in 
not even the bare minimum effort. Yeah. Yeah. And so I need to find a Lyme literate doctor Mm -hmm. who can go, oh, you've been treated poorly Mm -hmm. (laughs) for these last couple of years. This is what you actually need. I think I need to be hooked up to like an IV and yeah. it's got to flush the bacteria out of my system. Have you ever thought about writing about this or turning something like this into like a TV <laughs> project or something? Because uh, first, first off, Lime Literate Doctor to me sounds like a superhero on like a Saturday morning kid show. Like that may be a pitch that you're sitting on that like <laughs> this needs to happen. You could, I'm Lime Literate Doctor. I mean, Doug. I mean, look, Captain Planet taught an entire generation about environmentalism. You could be sitting on a million dollar kid show that could teach us all about Lyme disease. Well, I I am gonna um, talk about it in my. I think I'm gonna call my first stand up special "Living in the Limelight." Mm, I like it. L Y M E. Yeah. And I'm gonna talk like about it and how shitty it's been and how I've been mistreated by doctors and and um just the the long road mm-hmm. it's been and so many other people have had it for way longer without getting diagnosed like i was watching this documentary called under our skin mm-hmm. which is about just people with lyme disease mm-hmm. and lyme disease in general and some people were like uh i wasn't diagnosed for five years eight years 10 years 15 years wow. and like w- when you're un or when you don't know what it is if you don't treat it right the right way it can get worse and worse and worse because Lyme disease thrives on sugar mm. I was just eating that donut right there, right there. <laughs> the one on the floor I now. was just eating that donut <laughs> yeah and I and I know that like if I fucking ate all sugar all day like I'd be feeling it I'd mm-hmm. feel pain that night and probably the next day yeah so I do have to keep it in check that way but um, yeah, it's just fucking weird, man. Yeah. And then not being taken seriously when I started walking with the cane. Yeah. That was a thing. Like mm-hmm. people still ask, they'll go, Oh, is that, do you, what, what yeah. is that for? Is that some kind of fashion cane? Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't no. also help that you literally, you literally live on the border of obnoxious hipsterville, USA also. <laughs> So like literally like like for people who 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 don't know Los Angeles, Doug's apartment is, I kid you not, half a mile away from like Los Feliz and Silver Lake, like the 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 cradle of trust fund hipsterism on the West Coast where people will wear a combination of of clothing and accessories whose aesthetic just boggles my mind. Um, so I can under so I can understand the barrier that you'd be running up against. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I also uh, I also wear Letterman jackets or sweaters. Which, which for... looks good. That's a good look for you. I'm just saying. Yeah. But but yeah, so when people ask if the cane is real or not, I don't I don't fault them for it. Sure. And also I'm thirty three. I just turned thirty three and so I'm Happy like, birthday. Oh, thanks. <laughs> last uh, last month, but yeah. I turned was... I turned thirty four this past year, and that's my response too. Whenever people are like, "Hey, happy birthday!" I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. Uh, it's like I'm the year that Jesus reportedly was when he yeah. reportedly died at thirty three, and yeah. <laughs> and I have Lyme disease, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is you're going to be a religious martyr. That's what you're saying. Though. <laughs> well, if we're gonna resist Trump. Yeah. <laughs> 
the church of Doug. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on in. It'll be fine. It's going to be great, guys. The, wa- the water's not only fine, it's chill. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite part about writing? I love the creativity of it. I, I genuinely love... I'll put it to you this way. I've been an actor. I've been a writer. I've, I've done improv, and I love doing improv. I've 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 tasted stand up a little bit. I've produced. I've done a lot of different things in this crazy business of show. <laughs> to quote Tobias Funke, um, what I love. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but what I like the most about writing is I love that. I love, honestly, it's going to sound weird, but I love being alone with myself and my thoughts. And I love when you're working on something, you're working on something, and then something you're like, well, how is this, how is this next piece going to fall into place? Yeah. And then suddenly it does fall into place. And then the next piece falls into place and the next piece falls into place. And before you know it, you've really created something. Maybe you've created something really great in that moment, or maybe you've created the start of something that's going to be really great. But that is a high that it's very hard to replicate. Like I just went up at the moth and I, I told the story at the moth maybe about a week ago or so at this point. And it's the first time I've been on stage in maybe a year, and that felt like an incredible rush. Like I wanted, I wanted to go out and like punch a cop after doing that. Like I was so amped after doing it, and like the high of performing is something unlike anything I've ever had before. But the high that I get from writing, and the idea that it is a high that I can take with me and manufacture everywhere, and that I don't necessarily need to be in front of an audience, yeah. that is. It's unlike anything else. It's it's There's like an app for that. there is an app for that. <laughs> it's almost like I would say it's like the difference between like being completely infatuated somebody and then being genuinely in love with somebody. Like you know the difference when you know the difference yeah. and like with writing like like I I I do miss being a performer but I don't miss the business of being an actor. I don't think it would have been mentally or emotionally healthy for me to continue being an actor. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, there is just something I lost my train of thought. But there is just something about <laughs> there's something about being a writer that infatuation the, and love. Yeah, love. yeah. There's something about now I remember it. There's something about being a writer where the idea of trying to make a career out of this seems 100% more viable to me than this idea of of constantly putting yourself out there as an actor and and trying to go about it that way. Yeah. That's something where. That's something where like I can see an, an an out, but the things that I love about writing are the things that make me say like I think I need to stick with this and I I think I need to see this through. I gotta find ways to make it work. Like I'm I'm hunting for a day job right now Same. and I'm and I'm, you I'm you're you're Ubering and I'm Postmatesing. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm doing that and it's weird because like when I came out here, you know I came out here because. My play got me a little bit of heat. I was getting introduced to a lot of different friends who all had representation, and they were like, send me your stuff, you know, we'll make something happen, blah, 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 blah. So I honestly thought that, like, I was just going to come out here and at the very least, like, be a writer's assistant on a show. And then yeah, immediately. Immediately. It'll happen, it'll happen immediately. How could it not? I'm such a fucking great writer. Exactly. <laughs> 
And Same here, dude. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, dude, once I move up to LA, fucking yeah. if I don't get some kind of job in like six months, come on, six yeah. months, scrap. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just kinda like and I'm just kinda like, I don't know, those health benefits and that four oh one K sounds good, but I'm living on a dream. <laughs> Yeah. Working on a prayer, living on, on a cloud, cloud. living in, in the, the air up there, there with Kevin Bacon. Uh. <laughs> He's actually a very nice man. From the air up there, starring Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> he would do that too. He's at a point in his career where he can just. He's say, got a band. He's the Bacon I, Brothers. I haven't heard them. But... They they played in my college once. Really? Actually, they played in my college. And oh, not Oxford. Not Oxford. No, 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 no. <laughs> I went to a small school on Long Island called um, CW Post, and uh, we had a performing arts center there. And his Did it ba- used to be called WB Post. Yes, <laughs> it was founded. It was founded by Michigan J Frog. <laughs> and our curriculum was centered on hunting wabbits. <laughs> and I'll tell you this right now. I don't know a single goddamn thing about the way that the world works, but I do know how to not catch a roadrunner. <laughs> don't go to Acme. Don't, don't go, go to Acme. Don't go to Acme. They're incredibly expensive and ineffective. The, the traps will spring on you. That's not what you want to happen. Don't, like... They're like prepaid legal services. They'll push this whole kit on you. And they'll make it like they'll make it sound like a bargain. They'll make it like for only three thousand dollars, we'll give you like five pounds of dynamite. We'll give you all the paint cans you could want to like paint tunnels on rocks. We'll give you like a bunch of piano wire to try to trip this thing. Which, by the way, have you ever tried to? Piano wire is fucking dangerous to yeah. try to like to try to trip somebody up on it. it will take your foot off yeah, it'll take if you're your, going if you're going fast enough it'll take your head off man yeah quite literally <laughs> and they'll just so they'll get you to spend all this money on this roadrunner catching kit and you realize like after an afternoon of doing that stuff just how much money you just wasted on like it's like it's too much headache for all the work what the fuck am i gonna do with a giant anvil I live in a studio apartment in Echo Park. You could like, oh, you could shove it out your window. Yeah, I onto, guess onto the Roadrunner. Onto onto the Roadrunner, but then if like if I miss it, then I gotta go down. I gotta go pick it up. What'll and... probably happen is you'll shove it out the window. Yeah, and then you end up go like slipping and falling out the window too, and then somehow. As you're grabbing onto the anvil to for for some leverage, mm-hmm. you end up underneath the anvil. You're like, ah, fuck. So what you're telling me is that you you tell- watched my old YouTube page. That's yeah. what you're telling yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. So CW Post. CW Post. <laughs> so I went to school out there, and uh, the Bacon Brothers. I think they're called like the Fabulous Bacon. No, I'm thinking of the movie The Fabulous Baker Brothers. So just the Bacon Brothers, <laughs> where they were playing a concert there the night that I was in rehearsal for a show and a bunch of the stagehands actually snuck out in the middle of the rehearsal to run across campus so that they could go meet Kevin Bacon. Because, like, he apparently, at the last minute, he was like, hey, if you have any theater students, like, I, like I'd love to, like, meet them and, like, talk to them and get to know them. So, wow. like, so literally, like, our entire stagehand crew just, like, peaced out on us for, like, 45 minutes but they came back with all these photos with hanging out with Kevin and you Bacon didn't get to go see him. because I was on stage doing a show which is my job and what I was paying all this money 
to do at a college. People who worked on the 2003 production of Enemy of the People. Um, they were the real enemy of the people. They were the real enemy of the people. <laughs> but, they, but they came back and they said he's actually very nice and he was very sweet and he was like really happy to meet all of them. I'm like, well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's lovely. Cool. Yeah, I bet he's a dope dude. Yeah. yeah uh, I haven't seen The Following. Have you seen that? That's him, right? Yeah, that's he's, him. He's the I FBI. Or... Yeah, I watched I watched a couple episodes out of the first season. It wasn't it wasn't for me personally. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm happy to see he's working. I like those I like those baking those eggs and bacon commercials he does now. So what? Yeah, you haven't seen this eggs ad cam? He's like he was so. like he's like hired by the Egg Commission or like the USDA or something like Whoa. that. So they do this whole they do like this whole joke about getting people to, to eat eggs and so like the whole joke of it is like yeah get get a chance to every morning start your morning with eggs and bacon and then it's just Kevin Bacon eating eggs eating eggs like playing a guitar doing like his cool. Bacon Brothers thing I bet you yeah he got to have complete creative control yeah with that. yeah wait let me see that script again no I'm gonna change it a little bit yeah. <laughs> And again, he's at a point in his life where he can be doing can. stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, who, like... Kevin Bacon, if you're listening, and I know you are, I'd mm-hmm. love to have you on sometime. It's, he's good, Kevin. <laughs> We're both from Philadelphia. So, Kevin, I can verify that he is a good John. And so. I, I did take some theater classes. So And I was in theater in high school. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You went to... Where, you're from California originally, right? Uh, yeah, I was born in the Bay Area. We moved to Reno when I was two, Tulsa when I was seven, Santa Maria when I was ten, Northern Kentucky when I was fourteen. That's, yeah, that's a lot of moving around, dude. Yeah, and then I um, and then I went to school in Utah for six months, and then I came back, and then I went to Dominican Republic for two years, and then I came back. I did the whole Mormon mission thing. I grew up that's, Mormon. That's right. You're... And I haven't been to church in a couple of years, and I feel great about it. <laughs> okay. But, so, yeah. So, and as a as an effect of being in Dominican Republic for two years, I speak Spanish. I'm bilingual. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, that must be incredibly helpful in a place like Los Angeles. Sometimes. Sometimes it's helpful, and sometimes it, uh, I mean, doesn't uh, matter either way. Because, mm. uh when I first moved out to California, my, my parents were like, you should get a bilingual job. You should get a bilingual job. And the Jack in the Box that I would go to all the time, yeah. like, everyone there spoke Spanish and English. And mm. So I'm like, every job here is a bilingual <laughs> job. It's not just like, <laughs> they're not clambering for for people. Wait, clambering? Clambering, I think is the right word. Or clamoring. Or clamoring. Clamoring, yeah. yeah. Clamber is a sound, I think. Yes. Yes, there, that sounds right. There was a clamber outside. Yeah. There arose such a clatter. Such a clatter. <laughs> the um so when we did when we did Charlie Brown Apocalypse uh, a while back, the actor who played the part of Snoopy, he was also a lapsed Mormon as well. Mm. And um he was gay well he is gay. And we would have like these really fascinating conversations about it. And then I remember one day he came into rehearsal for and he was doing a costume fitting and he was trying on a bunch of things and he actually took his shirt off and he was wearing the underwear uh. underneath it and I and I remember asking I tried to be respectful but I was like I was like so Josh you're you're wearing your underwear I see he's like yeah he was kind of like he was kind of like I guess wishy washy would be the right word for it. he's kind of like yeah I'm like but I thought you were not out of the church and he's like. Yeah, you know, I'm I am, but sometimes I just like to wear it cuz it just feels comforting. Like mm. it feels 
like home, like something I grew up with. So it's nice, but it's also really weird when I meet guys and then we go back to my place and then I have to explain why I'm wearing the underwear. (laughs) And then 50% of the time things get a little awkward after that. Yeah. That's, that's wow. Yeah. Cause yeah, like I, I don't really wear them anymore. Like I still have some. Really? Yeah. Wow. But I don't really wear them anymore. Do you not, do you, so I grew up a religious, but as I'm getting older, I'm seeing more of the point of having religion in one person's life. So like, do you ever, when you, does Mormon as, does Mormonism ever have that sense of home? Like what my friend was describing, like that idea of that, like whenever you're having like a rough patch or something like that, like maybe you'll go back to the religion and it'll at least give you a sense of centeredness or are you just completely like nope i'm done i'm out of it it's it's uh so it's not like um it's not like i it's not like i hate the guys sure of course <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no no no. but also i'm i don't love i don't love it like i never loved going to church mm-hmm. as as to any church like i i'd, I'd gone to i tried a couple friends churches like my parents would be like well, if you try their church, and maybe they'll try our church, and we could like spread the joy, spread the love. Sure. Like, they could maybe be Mormon too. Sure. Um, but I never enjoyed going to any church. Like I, I like the songs. Mm-hmm. The songs can be beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But sometimes you hear the same stuff over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Like mm-hmm. repetition's important. I know. Yeah. Because it's how we learn. Mm-hmm. But over and like every fucking Sunday for 30 years Oof. and then I finally went I'm gonna just chill out and see what it's like if I just don't go for a while yeah I I get that and I and I found weed too which has been a great <laughs> great it's like weed it, it's like weed weed was was the glowing the glowing beacon that the Book of Mormon no longer was to you well no it's like it it it's opened my mind to a lot of things where I'm like, this is not bad. Yeah. Like, why is this bad to yeah. anyone? Mm-hmm. And, um, and at the same time, I'm like, I bet God's really chill. Like if mm. he's out there, I bet he's fucking chill. <laughs> <laughs> I like now, especially cause old Testament that already happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were pestilences and plagues and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. it's now times. Yeah. I bet he's chill. Like, is he letting this stuff happen or is he letting the, the like people, oh man, Trump and Putin, they're yeah. bed together. It's I f- weird. I feel like, <laughs> so I grew up without religion and um, I, my, my father is Jewish and my mom is Episcopalian Quaker. And the closest that I ever had to attending church regularly was that for three years, I went to my dad's old prep school out on the main line, which are these very affluent suburbs in Philadelphia. Just mm-hmm. like li- like literally, like it's called the main line because literally they start right on the border of Montgomery County and Philadelphia County. Yeah. And it's called the main line because there's literally a line that divides them across City Line Avenue from the city proper and the suburbs. So you can hop... One hop. city. I'm in this city now. I'm in this city. You now. can hop the. You can hop the literal main line to to start, and so we had we we were required to go to chapel services, twice twice or three times a week, 
every single week for three years. Plus, I was required to take religion classes, so I studied the Old Testament for two years, and I studied the New Testament for one year. And I just never felt... It just never, like, I just never felt any kind of, like, a connection to it. Like, I understood the significance yeah. of why we were going there. But I I had this moment, I remember when I was 12 or 13, because, like, I was really into, like, world history and evolution and science and all this stuff. And it just finally occurred to me, like, I always, it always occurred to me that, like, you had the world the way that christianity said and judaism said it was created and then you had actual scientific proof but it never occurred to me at any point as a child that those worlds ever intersected and that and yeah but when like i actually had that realization i had that realization of like wait so we're just supposed to like they could intersect yeah they could they could definitely intersect and creation absolutely sure maybe why not yeah why not maybe i mean they i mean i what if what if the big bang however many billion years ago yeah hundreds of millions i believe it's at least hundreds of millions at this point whenever that happened yeah what if what if that was like made by made happen by someone very possible and then, and then evolution was part of it very possible and then it's like when when uh, man finally showed up it's like maybe that was adam and eve maybe i mean hawking like <laughs> to use an actual There's have you ever possibilities and everything have you ever read well have you ever read brief moment in time by <laughs> stephen hawking uh-uh. it's a great it's a it's dry but it's a it's a good read <laughs> but you know, it's boring as fuck but you gotta read it but it's it's <laughs> Or is it like thick, like dense? Like- no, it's dense. It's dense. That's the thing. Like it's a lot. It's a lot to chew on in because he because he does his best. Like it's kind of amazing. He took the entire history of sci- of of the world from a purely scientific angle, mm-hmm. and he condensed it down into like this two hundred and fifty page book. And even in getting it down to a two hundred and fifty page book, he's still just like ah, this. <laughs> I'm trying, like I'm, I'm trying to make, I'm gonna try to to liven this up for you, but like I can only do so much. But he says, like in the first ten pages of Brief History of Time, that one of the principal pursuits of science is discovering the unified theory, meaning we're discovering if religion and if religion and science do eventually intersect. Like where, like where do like where do we get these stories that have been passed down through western civilization in 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 multiple different iterations like yeah. where do those come from and and how does that in any way relate back to all of this scientific proof that we have that is still if we're being honest theoretical yeah. like we do like like it is called the theory of evolution because mm-hmm. we can't 100% prove it but we also do have a lot of overwhelming evidence yeah. that that this is probably the way it works but at the same time like he even says it like how do we know that this isn't that this that the universe doesn't that the universe does doesn't expand and contract because of the will of a divine presence that we have no real concept of and like he talked about like frankly the, just this idea that like if you were to get into a spaceship and if you were to go to literally the very ends of space we don't know what is beyond that we know that it's expanding and contracting at a very gradual rate but to be 
And, dis- and I only I only kind of know what that means. Yeah. That the universe is expanding and contracting. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, I know what expansion and contraction means. Yeah. But to think of it on a universal scale, yeah. you're like, wait, that's so big. Yeah. Wait, wait. Well, <laughs> think of it this way. Think of it this way. So we're held down to this planet right now because of gravity. Yeah. The reason why the gravitational pull of this planet is so strong is because we're right here on the surface of the earth. Yeah. But the idea is that as you drift further and further away from a planet, gravity becomes less uh, gravity becomes anti-gravity because it, because we're drifting further and further away from the gravitational pull of any planet. So now think of that and how that may relate to like the other eight or nine planets that are in our solar system altogether. Think about how that relates to the distance that the stars have from one another and how everything has its own gravitational pull and whatnot. Now think of this idea that the whole universe is in itself is contained in this circular kind of whatever circular universes right next to it. Yeah, exactly. Can we get to parallel universes? We're getting there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I want to. I mean, theoretically, theoretically we could, that's what the movie interstellar was trying to be about pretty much. But it's just this idea that like the way that the gravitational pull works is that there was a time when the gravitational pull was so strong and gravity was so strong and abundant within our universe that everything was much more tightly knit than it was. And then one day for whatever reason, the big bang happened, which was the explosion of all these planets Mm -hmm thereby creating all of this distance that was generated by gravity and that very slowly throughout millennia our entire universe has just been contracting and then expanding apart and then contracting and then expanding apart like a heart like the way like the way it's it, breathing yeah it's breathing it's alive. yeah space is alive yeah then who is We're in a simulation yeah maybe. and and <laughs> There's a very good point to be made as to like, why is it just expanding? Why is it expanding and contracting like that in a set motion? Why isn't it just expanding, 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 and then never contract? Like why? Like why? Like why does the logic of that reason exist? And that's where scientists can say it's calling the question. It's like, is that pure science or is that divine will is that the way things work altogether and that's essentially why there is a quest for a unified theory altogether like because unified theory meaning knowing how everything works and being able to like control things basically mm -hmm. um yeah yeah why not why not superpowers come on we gotta have superpowers yeah (laughs) well i mean theoretically speaking we do only use like what 10 percent of our brain or something like that at a time. At a time. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we could... If we, if we got that limitless pill... Man. Bradley Cooper, if you're listening, and then know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Bring us all the limitless pills, please, Brad. Please, if you have any spare limitless pills, I'll take them. Another Philadelphian you've name-checked, by the way. You've now talked about right. Kevin Bacon and Bradley Cooper, also from my hometown. All right. So, all nice. three of... So, this is two a real this is a real Philadelphia centric show is what <laughs> it's turning into right now. <laughs> what about Rob McElhaney? He's from South Philly, actually. So there you go, three for three, right there. There you go, man. Just hitting him out of the park, like a juiced up Barry Bonds, just sailing out of AT and T Park and dropping somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I'm good to, at baseball. There you go. 
Grand slams every time. Grand slam. That should be it. Get a business card. That's what it should be. Doug Culp. Grand, Grand slams, slams every, every time. time. <laughs> and then some people would be like, wait, like at Denny's? Or, and then other people are like, ah, baseball. Yeah. And then other people who don't know either of those things are just like, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what could it mean? And then they go insane. And their brain explodes. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. Yeah, I'll make some I'll make those business cards. I'm sure there's again, I'm sure I'm sure there's a fetish for that out out there somewhere. Oh yeah, people's heads exploding? All over the place. Uh, Doug, we've talked like about five or six major ideas right now that I'm willing to let you just take the lead on all of them. <laughs> Because I feel like... Exploding head porn. Exploding head porn. Grand slams every time. Grand slams every time. Hashtag grand slams every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, Doug. A late show. A late show. Late show with Doug Culp. Mm-hmm. The Lyme disease thing. Lyme disease thing, definitely. Um, yeah. We've, yeah. We've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, dude. <laughs> this is like... This is like an incubator. You know what... You know what you could do hmm. and what you should do huh. to pay for all your various medical expenses? You and Aldrin should turn this house into a show business incubator, like in Silicon Valley, yeah. where you just have a bunch of people living here and they're all working on their screenplays and they're all working on this and they're all working they're all on that. Some money. And they're all paying some money. And then if they sell anything, you get 10% of it. Ehrlich Bachman. Yeah. Ehrlich Dugman. Yeah. <laughs> And then, when people ask about the cane, you can be like, I'm Ehrlich fucking Dugman. <laughs> How fucking dare you. I, I carry this cane because I demand respect. I'm a genius. That's what I am. I am a genius. World, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I feel like this has been an awesome episode. This has been fun, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, dude. Will you t- plug your plug all your stuff? Sure, your of course. Social medias and whatnot. So. Um, so first and foremost, please uh, buy my book. It's called The Survivalist by Matt Freed. Uh, please search for it with uh, my name on Amazon because there is another book. Uh, there is another book series out there called The Survivalist, mm. but it's about post-apocalyptic survival and that is not uh, what my book is about my book is a breakup that's comedy sequel. that's the sequel <laughs> that's a sequel where our protagonist who is a rock musician who finds himself in a love triangle with his ex-fiance and his new girlfriend so he gets an imaginary friendship with bruce springsteen going to help him get his life together in the sequel the entire world's gone to shit and yep. so he and Bruce are just walking the world, just trying to write a couple songs about all the devastation they're seeing. They're just trying to be real, man, yeah. and genuine, and Present. speak from the heart. Present. Yeah. But yeah, but then outside of that, you can follow me on at I am Matt Freed, F-R-I-E-D, on Twitter. And I also have a website, IamMattFreed.com, but I, I just post links to other stuff that I do around <laughs> the internet there. And then read my stuff on Medium. I would like... I wouldn't mind a paying job where I'm writing about politics in this country. Yeah, comment. Yeah. Comments help, right? Comments do to. help. Yeah. Comments and shares. Comments and shares, please. Yeah. Just fill, fill me with comments and shares in my life, guys. That's all <laughs> I need. Fill them with those comments and shares. I it'll, ha- be, it'll be the cinnamon buns. Yeah. <laughs> be my cinnamon bun. It'll be my cinnamon bun Ben and Jerry ice cream, which I'm starting a website for. I'm going to start a fetish website where I just sit in front of a laptop 
and I just look at all my various profiles and see how many likes, and I just go like, ooh, yeah. Look at those 45 likes on that. I already do that. Yeah. I already do that. We all do. I actually had a stretch of time where I, I, I have friends who have a much bigger social media presence than I do, and I, I sometimes get jealous when I see they get, like, 92 likes or something, and I'll get, like, 15, and then I have to, like, take a step back and just be like, you are getting upset over the dumbest shit in existence. Like, we just yeah. sat here talking about likes. unified the- theory, and yeah. I'm sitting unified here... Unified theory and, and likes. And likes. <laughs> We I, cover the gamut yeah, here, everybody. I should have gone get an MBA. Seriously. <laughs> I need better perspective in my life. <laughs> Shit. Uh, well, this has been You and Me and Thoughts and Talk with Doug Culp and... Matt Freed. All right. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, man.